today may, may be a little bit of a revamp from, from, from first week. Uh, we're going to dig down on something that came to me uh, from Hebrews uh, chapter 12. And uh, what we're going to be talking about is gratefulness as a response. Okay? I mean, because that's the way it should be. Look at this passage here in Hebrews chapter 12. It says, Well then, we are to receive a kingdom that cannot be shaken. This calls for gratitude. That's how to offer God true and acceptable worship, reverently and with fear. Our God, you see, is a devouring fire. Guys, this calls for gratitude. I chose that particular translation. I don't know if I've ever used that translation before. Uh, it's the NTE, and I don't even know what NTE stands for. But I love the way it worded this. This calls for gratitude. And what he's saying is that gratitude, when you, when you look at this fact that we're receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, and we're going to be talking about that in a little bit. Don't get too ahead of me. He's saying gratitude should be just this response that flows out of us. And so guys, that, that's what we're wanting to do. Now, I have to, I have to admit, guys, I am not one that, that it just flows out of. Okay? And we want to talk, we're going to talk about two things today. The Hebrew writer calls us to focus on two things. The first one is to understand and acknowledge reality. Now, when I talk about this, guys, I know what are you talking about, guys? I'm going to blow through this very quickly, especially compared to the time that it may deserve. If you have questions, please jot them on your prayer card, or uh, you can ask me personally, or ask Tim or Alan. What what are you talking about? But guys, most of the time in our life, we just get caught up in what we see, and we get caught up in the responsibilities of the day and of the week and of our life. And we don't, we're not always aware of everything that's going on. And so we, let's look at some things we need to acknowledge, uh, understand and acknowledge. And the first one is that there are two realms of reality. And it's called heaven and earth. You know, in the very beginning, uh, it talks about God created the heavens and the earth. Now that wasn't talking exactly like what I am right now. Because that word heaven is used different ways. But if you've read the Bible at all, you know very plainly that God is in heaven. We are on earth. Another way to say that is there's... Heaven is God's space. And earth, the physical realm, is our space. It's been described as God's space. has been described in the Bible as the heavenly realms. Or the heavenly. And, 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 and for my mind, for the way I think, I think of it as two dimensions, two realms uh, of reality. That's where God is. This is where we are. And you see this all throughout the Bible. Uh, one of the, the most vivid places is in the book of Genesis where uh, Jacob is, is all alone in the wilderness and he has a dream. He has a vision of there being a ladder and angels ascending and descending between heaven and earth. And what he's, I believe what's going on there is he's like, a, oh my gosh, what I've been told by my father and my grandfather about God is real. There really are two things and God has shown me that this is it. And he, he described it, this is the doorway to heaven. This is where did he and he set up a stone to remember where it was. Because that reality was there. If you look back in verse 26 of Hebrews chapter 12, and we're going to be looking through Hebrews 12, it says, and, he, and what's going on in Hebrews chapter 12? I mean, there's there's several things going on in Hebrews chapter 12. I'm sure some of you who've known me 
for several years are glad that I got past the first 11 verses of Hebrews chapter 11 where he talks about dealing with hardship and God disciplining us for our good. Uh, there's more to it. It's always good to know. But what's going on is he's, talk, he's referencing back in, he, in this part of Hebrews chapter 12 to when Moses went up to Mount Sinai and, and God was talking to him and God wanted the people to see that he was talking to Moses. And so he saw that he saw the cloud came down and they saw the mountain shake. Okay? And they were told very plainly that you're not supposed to touch that mountain. You're not supposed to touch if you touch it, you will die. And if somebody does touch it or an animal touches it and die, or doesn't die, they're to be put to death. Excuse me. They touch it, they're supposed to be put to death. In fact, they're supposed to be put to death with either stones, stoned to death, or shot with arrows because you're not supposed to touch that person. Okay, very serious thing and, and, and about, about getting that close to God. And that's what he's talking about. Because we're, not, we're not coming to that kind of a mountain. That's what he tells in Hebrews chapter 12. But this is what it says. At that point, his voice shook the earth. But now he has issued a promise in the following words. One more time I will shake not only the earth, but heaven as well. And guys, don't, don't point at that. Is, 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 there's, here's where God is talking. God is giving us, you know, revealing to us that there's these two spaces that we call heaven and earth. Okay? I believe, and, and, and it's something that we, we forget about. In our, in that passage in 1 Thessalonians, uh, chapter 5, at the beginning of your notes, it says, pray continually. Yeah, I believe it's verse 17. You know, some translations say pray without ceasing. And that, that verse has always just stunned me. How am I supposed to do? How am I supposed to get anything done if I'm praying continually? If I'm praying without ceasing? And guys, I believe what he's saying is we need to be constantly aware that there is God in another place. That there is a, a different space, a different realm, a different dimension if you will, where God is at. And we can reach out and talk to Him and touch to Him as opposed to just getting stuck in the mundane details of our life. Okay? That's the first thing there, guys. The second thing is that the physical... Understanding and acknowledging reality is acknowledging that the physical realm is broken. I think the argument can be made that there is brokenness in the heavenly realm as well. All right? Because we're going one of the passages we're gonna see, he's gonna he's what we just read. He's gonna shake heaven as well as earth. Okay, and um, look at this passage in Romans chapter eight, verse 26, 22. It says we know that the whole that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to this present time. Now I can't tell you all the details of this. All I can tell you that in this physical world we we live in right now is not the way God intended for it to be. It is broken. And it's broken because of something called sin. And sin is simply rebellion against God and what He desires of why He created us as human beings. Which is specifically to be His representatives, to image Him. But it changed everything in ways we do not completely understand. I was reading a book this week. I mean, you folks are well aware of the you know, the LGBTQ issues that are in the world today. And I was reading this book and they were drawing a difference between transgenderism and I'm not going to say the word. I want to say unisex. 
intersects. That's it. Thank you. And inter- where trans- transgender is where somebody decides intellectually, they think, they believe that they are something different than what their biological sex is. Intersex is where there's a chromosomal difference. And it affects 1.7% of the people. Where basically they can have uh, the genitals are mixed up. Okay, they can they can they can have the, the male chromosomes and, and female genitals and vice versa and a mixture of those things and it can go into all kinds of different things. And that is a result of sin. There's so many broken things broken in this world right now. People with cancer. That's evidence of the brokenness in this world. Death is part of the brokenness in this world. Okay? And so that's it. Guys, the third thing that we want to talk about real quick, we need to understand and acknowledge, is that God is going to renew or restore both realms. This is very, very, very exciting to me. I want to... I want to these, two next, these next two passages are two of my favorite passages that just blow me away when you, you look at them in, the, in a good translation. This first was in Matthew 20... Excuse me, Matthew 19... Says Jesus said to them, Truly I tell you, at the renewal of all things, when the Son of Man sits on his glorious throne. What is Jesus is saying? There will be a renewal of all things. Peter says this a little bit different wording in Acts chapter 3. He said, Heaven must receive him until the time comes for God to restore everything as he promised long ago through the holy prophets. Guys, a uh, uh, another passage. It's not on your notes. It's gonna be in my 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 notes all the time. Uh, with regards to this, is in Second Peter three thirteen, where it says, "But in keeping with His promise, we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth, where righteousness dwells." Guys, that is that is oh, I I, I love thinking about this. I love looking at the turmoil of the world. Okay, and understanding that's just the world is broken. But understanding that God has promised a new world where righteousness dwells. You know, specifically they talk about there being no sin, no sickness, no death. Guys, and you take any of the other problems that exist in our world today and they go away. Any of the injustices Racism is will not be an issue. It won't exist. Don't ask me how that is. He's just saying the world will be made right. Guys, that is exciting to me. That God is going to restore both realms. But guys, to do that, judgment is coming. There is a judgment. Look at this in Hebrews chapter 12 again. Again, referencing back to, to Moses on Mount Sinai. He says, at that point, his voice shook the earth. But now he has issued a promise in the following words. One more time, I will shake not only the earth, but heaven as well. The phrase one more time shows that the things that are to be shaken, that is the created things, will be taken away so that the things that cannot be shaken will remain. And guys, that leads us to the last thing that I want to talk about very briefly about acknowledging, understanding and acknowledging reality is that as a follower of Jesus, I'm safe from judgment. That is so cool to think about. God's going to set the world straight. 
Those that don't follow Jesus and are considered bad people or whatever, they will get their just due. Whatever God decides that is, I'm going to leave it up to Him. But for me as a follower of Christ, if I stay faithful, I don't have to be too concerned about judgment. I can actually be excited about judgment. And you see, guys, that's what he's saying here in Hebrews chapter 12. In verse 28, that we've read already, he says, well, then we are to receive a kingdom that cannot be shaken. You see, God's using this metaphor to say, listen, this is what I'm going to do at judgment. I'm going to shake the heavens and the earth. And the created things will be taken away. Those that are shaken will be taken away. But we're inheriting something that cannot be shaken. And I, guys, I, when you look at all this, this, is, this, this may be stirring up thoughts for you and questions. And this is, this is big picture stuff. And it, it can also get very deep. And what are we talking about? But guys, it's exciting to think. God has shown us the problems with the world. And He's also shown us how He has a plan to make it all right. And guys, we, we need to understand it and acknowledge these things. So this, because the second thing that the Hebrew writer says we need to do is we need to respond to reality correctly. He's drawing our attention to what really is going on in the world, what really is happening, and then he's saying we need to respond correctly. Now, I don't know about you, but I have a tendency in my life to get caught up in the mundane details of what's going on in the world. Okay? Jesus described this as um, uh, thorny soil in a, in a story that He told in Matthew 13 and in Luke chapter 8 and I believe it's Mark chapter 4. And uh, to illustrate this kind of... This morning I was, I was in back and uh, Andrea Hyman and Samantha Wolf walked in and I'm saying pie to them and, and uh, I forget which one spoke first but Andrea points at Samantha and goes, she made me stay up all night. You know, I'm like, oh yeah, you're that easy. And I was trying to, she, she wasn't listening to me. I was going to say, you're that easy manipulated that you're, she can make you stay up all night. And I know she was just teasing. She was just joking. She wanted to stay up all night. Samantha was just guilty of putting the correct show on, on TV for them to binge watch. But guys, how many times is that more the truth where I am manipulated by the circumstances of my life? Okay, the responsibilities of this world. And they choke me out and don't help me, and I don't see reality correctly. And as a result, I, I just can get so focused on what I think needs to be done and what I'm trying to do, even if I'm trying to do it for God, that I am become an ungrateful person. And you see, guys, this is what I think is so significant about. Uh, what we're looking at here in this passage. The Hebrew writer, he tells us this is what reality is, this is what's really going on, this is what's really happening, this is what we're really inheriting. And then he just simply says, this calls for gratitude. This calls for gratitude. Just amazing to me. Like I said, I'm not a person who gratitude just, just flows out. And I believe it's because I have been focused on the wrong things. I miss the wrong things. I'm too focused on what I want to happen, what I think needs to happen. You know, uh, I know Seth was up here for communion, and he was reading the passage in Matthew 16, I believe it was. I think there's another parallel passage. 
But he's talking about where Jesus told the disciples that it, what was going to happen to him and how he was going to be crucified and how he was going to be treated. And Peter pulls him aside and he says, Never, Lord. This will never happen to you. And the Bible says that he was rebuking Jesus. If you can imagine. You're in the presence of the Son of God. You've acknowledged who He is as the, as the promised Messiah. And then you pull Him away and rebuke Him. And what's going on there is Jesus is presenting a picture of reality different than what Peter is trying to achieve. And how many times, guys, does that happen to, to us? Where we get caught up in things, the, the responsibilities, sometimes they're even giving godly responsibilities, but we miss what God's really done. We miss what God is really doing. And I think we need to be aware of this. As we need to be aware of what I call the big picture. When we look at what God's doing and what God has promised to do, how can I be anything but grateful? <coughs> Second thing there that we want to talk about is that gratitude is how I worship God acceptably. Years ago, when I uh, first started getting serious about my relationship with God as an adult, let's say, and uh, I was exposed in greater detail to the different denominations that exist and the different ways that people approach Christianity. And there was one in particular that they really focused on uh, having a proper worship service on Sunday morning. And they would tell you about what was involved in that. And they would, they would talk about um, uh, you know, the order of things. And they would talk about you, have, you, know, you need to have communion every Sunday and here's why. And you need to have preaching and here's why. And you need to have singing and here's why. And, and they really got lost in the weeds because then they would have arguments among amongst themselves of how many songs you should have, you know, because some folks have got used to having three songs in a prayer. And that was the way it was supposed to be. And then uh, they would have churches split over communion. And they split over things like, you know, should communion be in little cups, you know, individual cups? A sanitary way. Or should we all use one cup? Because that's what Jesus did. You know, they passed that one cup around. And there were churches that split over this kind of a thing. Now, very interestingly enough, if I want to talk about acceptable worship before God, one of the things I never heard him talk about was having gratitude. You know, it was never on the list of things to do. It was never on the list of the elements of worship. And you see, guys, that's what, what, what gratitude, gratitude is, is a requirement. It's something that needs to be there. If we don't have an attitude of gratitude, I hate to use buzz phrases like that, but if we don't have an attitude of gratitude, we're missing something. We're missing something that God wants us to see. And it's going to affect our allegiance to Jesus. It's going to affect the way that we worship Him. Earlier in Hebrews chapter 12, let me read this to you. This is in verses 14-17. through 17. It's not in your notes. 
This is what it says. It says, make every effort to live in peace with everyone and be holy. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one falls short of the grace of God and that no bitter roots grow up to cause trouble and defile many. See that no one is sexually immoral or is godless like Esau, who for a single meal sold his inheritance rights as the oldest son. Afterward, you know when he wanted to inherit this blessing, he was rejected. Even though he sought the blessing with tears, he could not change what he had done. Guys, the very first line of that passage I read, making every effort to live in peace with everyone. Anybody challenged by that? Live at peace with everyone. Guys, you see, living at peace with everyone is acceptable worship. And we don't, without gratitude, it's very difficult to live at peace with everyone. You see, guys, we have the opportunity right now. This is one of the exciting things. You know, we read that passage in in, in 1 Peter 3 where it talked about uh, the new heaven and the new earth where righteousness will dwell. We have the opportunity right now to experience that within the church. Do you know that? We have the opportunity to let righteousness dwell. Okay, it, it, it won't be it won't be to the full extent by any extreme of what's going to happen when Jesus comes back. But we have the opportunity for that to happen. If everyone in this room, everyone in every church, makes every effort to live at peace with everyone, we will experience a level of righteousness that we've not tasted before. And guys, what that comes down to is having gratitude for what God has done and for what God is doing and recognizing it. And when you've recognized it, gratitude just flows. The last thing I want to talk about is that gratitude leads me to the right state of mind. You see, guys, one of the things we don't talk about much is that last... Well, let's read the passage. Hebrews chapter 12, 28 and 29. It says, That's how to offer true and acceptable worship, reverently and with fear. Our God, you see, is a devouring fire. How often do you think about that aspect of God? How often do you think about the fact that God is a devouring fire? You see, the folks that were at the mountain with Moses, they were petrified. In fact, it says they were, they were, don't even tell us these things. Alright? That's what you go back and read it yourself in Hebrews, earlier in Hebrews chapter 12. That's what it says. They like, don't, don't even speak those words to us. It was so, so terrifying to them. It reminded me of when Susan and I had some, uh, there were a couple of young, young boys. The year my, our son was born, our oldest son, Jonathan, was born. We had two, two other boys, uh, living with us. Some of you remember Cody and Charlie Liley, their mom had a bad car wreck and they spent a lot of time with us. And, and it came to be the 4th of July. And I remember one Wednesday night after church, we, we, we left church and we took the boys over to West Alton. We got fireworks because we were going to my in-laws 
in Vandalia, out in the country for the 4th of July, and we were going to light off fireworks. And these kids were excited about the fireworks. And I told them, I said, guys, we had, Susan and I had bought a big screen TV for her father. Uh, I don't remember why, we just did. And uh, we had it in the back of the truck, and we were waiting to wait till the next day after we got there to give it to him. And so I had to warn these boys not to tell. You know, eight and ten-year-old boys, you knew they were going to tell. And so I made it very plain, and I made it plain as day. I told them, I said, guys, here's the deal. If one of you tells, you lose your fireworks. Then there was quiet in the car. (laughs) And then one of them, I think it was the younger one, spoke up. He said, you know, Gary, if you hadn't told us about that, we wouldn't have been able to tell him. You know, it's like, as Susan said, it was like, he's going, I just, I won't be able to help myself. Why'd you do this to me? I might as well just give you my fireworks right now. Why did you tell me about this? And that's the picture I get from the people back in Exodus 19 where it's going on, where it's like, don't tell us about this. Just let us, don't do it. Guys, God is a, is a, is a, is a devouring fire. And guys, we need to understand that and and respect God as that. It is amazing to me that I haven't paid more attention to that. That I'm just happy being saved. That I'm just happy knowing about the grace of God. That I'm just happy... I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to share that. But guys, the reality of the situation is Being in a saved relationship with God means so much more when I understand that He's a devouring fire. It means so much more to know that I'm on the right side. Not out of fear, but to know what's possible. See guys, I'm challenged by being a dad. I don't know if anybody else feels like that. I don't don't feel like dad. Naturally. I have to remind myself sometimes that I'm dad. Okay, my kids are all in their 20s, they're 24, 26, and 28. Uh, it's soon about to change, but you know those teen years really, really, really stuck with me. Okay, where they question everything, and you're wrong, and they've got all these new ideas they learned in school. And it goes on and on and on and on and on. And I have a trouble remembering that I'm dad. And what and there's two aspects to that. There's one, and this plays out with my boys, where I'm just gonna go, no, this is especially with Jonathan, because we work together. Okay, with Jordan, I don't have these kind of opportunities. But where I just want to and it's tough because I want to let him learn by making mistakes. I want to let him make his own mistakes, right? I do. But there's times where I need to say, no, I'm right, we're doing it my way. If I'm wrong, we're doing it my way. Okay? That's the way it is. And it, it, again, Jonathan showed great humility. I've told you this before. Uh, one time he was talking with Mike and they were discussing some problem. And they, Mike, I believe, discovered the fix for the problem. I don't remember how it went. And Jonathan said on the phone, he goes, dang it. 
He said, the first thing I need to do is call my dad and apologize. Because this has been happening a lot. And it, it, again, this is the way it's supposed to be. I am dad. I do know more. I do have more experience. I am in a position of authority. And not only should you respect me, I should expect you to respect me. With my daughter, it's a different situation. And I just, you know, it's... I, res, I, I forget that my words carry more value than I understand. You know, it's kind of like when she was a child... And I remember uh, she asked a question. I don't remember what it was. Insignificant. And I said, no. Didn't yell. Didn't raise my voice. Didn't point my finger. I just said no. And she got out of the, up, out of the room and cried. Left the room crying. And I looked at my wife and I said, what did I do? Because you told her no. And, I, and it, was, it was hard for me to grasp the power of my words. Okay? And it's very similar with God, guys, that we, we're like those teenage kids that don't respect enough of what He has to say. We don't value what He has to say. And I'll be honest with you, you know, I've talked about letting Jonathan make his mistakes. That's a godly thing. God lets us make mistakes, does He not? I know he does because he should have stopped. I wish he would have stopped me. <laughs> but guys, when we understand reality and we understand what God has done and is doing and what God is capable of, it puts me in the right state of mind to appreciate what he's done. And to be thankful for what He's done. And not only that, to approach Him the right way. I am guilty of approaching God in far too casual of a way. Okay? You know, I mean, I've heard it said, you know, we've heard it many times where uh, when Jesus was in the garden and He's praying to His Father, in most translations they say He, refer, he calls Him Abba, Father. Right? And that's, I believe, an Aramaic term for daddy. Okay? And so many times I, w- I want to approach him like, like daddy. I want to approach him not like a devouring fire. Not with the respect that he deserves. Not with the gratitude that should come from my heart. And so guys, as, as I'm closing out this series, like I said, I've been challenged just to put it together, but I've also been challenged myself. And I hope you have been as well. I hope you can grab at least one thing over the last four weeks that says, "Look, this is something I need to apply." I mean, one of the things, and this is what one of the things that's jumping out at me is how much time do I spend when I'm praying, acknowledging God for who He is, and giving Him the respect and the gratitude and the acknowledgement that I should, or do I simply just? Yo, Daddy, here's what I need. Here's what's going wrong, and here's how I need your help. <clears throat> See, I tend to approach God more like a young child than as an adult sometimes. I'm guilty of being too casual when I approach God. So guys, as we close out this series, as we forget about Thanksgiving <laughs> and move on towards Christmas, it's my prayer, it's my desire 
that there's something that we've talked about, that we've, you've looked at, that you can grab a hold of and you can continue to give attention to. God's brought my attention to several things. I've yet to change them because I haven't had time. But they has my attention. So I encourage you to do that. Let's pray and we'll be done. All right? Father God, thank You so much. Father, I've talked up here about what You've done and about what You're doing. And Father, it is truly incredible. Father, we are constantly confronted with the brokenness of this world. Father, uh, I forget how many uh, mass shootings, mass murders there's been this year. It seems like almost daily, at least weekly, we're hearing about somebody going and killing somebody. Father, we know of the problems that exist and we each have our own little list of things we'd love to see different in some capacity. Father, that challenges our gratitude. And Father, being able to look and to see what You've done and what You're doing and what You've promised to do that we can, by faith, trust in just truly changes my mind. Changes the way I think. And so Father, I want to pray right now as a group we can be people who truly understand what's going on. And Father, we can have the gratitude in our heart that You desire. And it's in Jesus that we pray. Amen. Search me, know me, try me and see every worthless affection hidden in thee.
Love. 